Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Dennis Stewart here at the Father's Church. Welcome everyone here. The subject of our lesson today is who is truly wise? Who is truly wise? Well, when I first uh, began this study for this lesson um, and came across this question, I thought, who in the world am I to figure out who is truly wise? <laughs> I'm, in the wrong, I'm in the wrong room. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, I didn't have much of a chance to be wise, as far as I remember. I, n I remember my teachers always telling me not to be such a wise guy. <laughs> but wise, I hadn't considered myself wise. But we know there's two kinds of wisdom, aren't there? There's worldly wisdom and there's godly wisdom. And we're going to study today about the book of James and much of James uh, is about the contrast or the, the worldly wisdom and the contrast with godly wisdom or versus godly wisdom. And um, Christians everywhere use both. We use worldly wisdom and we use godly wisdom. The question is, do we use them correctly? Do we use them at the right time? Worldly wisdom or godly wisdom? There's a time to use both. And many uh, of us get those mixed up. We start using worldly wisdom when we should be using godly wisdom. And much of the book of James, as I was saying, is about that. And Jesus, uh, James was the half-brother of Jesus. And uh, when I think about James, I remember listening to a Christian comedian one time that was talking about what a tough life James must have had. He, he was a sibling himself, and he always thought of James as having a rough deal when his mother Mary would have him in the corner and scolding him and saying, why aren't you more like your brother? <laughs> had to be a tough life. Why are you the one that's always in trouble? But by this time, he was actually the, the lead pastor of the church in Jerusalem and considered the lead pastor for all of the churches, by most of them. And uh, his book is, is to the first writings, uh, is one of the first writings that we have in the New Testament. And uh, it's to the church of the dispersion, as well as the church in Jerusalem, those Jews who were saved, we'll say, in the day of Pentecost, have gone home now, and they're in their own nation. They're converting other Jews to this new thing, Christianity, as it began to be called. And he's writing to them as well as to the church in Jerusalem. And uh, his writings, we find, agree in, in many parts with Paul and the other writers. And I'm constantly amazed, and you'll see this today, of how the truth is spoken to us 
by so many different authors, and yet it's the same truth. Well, they'll use different words, but the communication is the same truth. And uh, we'll look at some of those um, similarities today, too. Well, James' uh, writings uh, agrees with Paul in, in this sense and, and others that, that we are saved through faith and not by works, something that's fundamental. We've all known that for many years. But what he stresses in, in his book is that genuine faith will eventually produce good works. It's got to be the product of genuine faith. It just is. It doesn't save a person, but it has to be the product of genuine faith. And it will, this good works that's eventually produced is seen in so many of the patriarchs of the Old Testament, and we know now in the New Testament as well, the patriarchs. Their, their uh, genuine faith always produced good works. And ours should too. Further, James teaches that, that God's divine wisdom is there for those who ask for it in faith believing. You can have God's wisdom. It, God's wisdom guides us through life's trials. It's essential to prepare us for righteous living and essential for our Christian ministry. God's wisdom. Worldly wisdom, on the other hand, is the reason why we go through many of our worst trials in life. We rely on ourselves, our worldly wisdom. You don't have to try that, just take my word for it. <laughs> it's true. Your worldly wisdom will get you into the middle of your worst trials before you know it. You'll be in a real fix. To gain God's wisdom, we must walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh. So who is this wise person? Who is a wise man, James asks in James 3, 13 through 18. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you let him show you out of a good conversation his works with meekness and wisdom but if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts glory not and lie not against the truth this wisdom descendeth not from above but is earthly and sensually here's the scary part it's satanic worldly wisdom devilish Satanic. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated. That means it's compliant. Full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, that means it's unwavering. And without hypocrisy, there's no pretense in goodly, godly wisdom. And the fruit of the righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. James 3 13 through 18 But to gain godly wisdom we must also 
walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. It takes a walk, not just an incident. Okay, it takes a walk to have godly wisdom. Wise, well it can mean, just that word wise can mean worldly or spiritually the way that word wise sophos is defined. But in either case, but especially I think in the spiritual realm, wise denotes a practical skill or acumen as though it is something that has been accomplished. It's been acquired. It's not something we're born with. It's something that is acquired. It's worked for. It is accomplished. Wisdom, sophos, especially spiritual wisdom. Endued, that word endued, epistemon, means to be taking in and truly absorbing knowledge and understanding. A knowledge that is planted or it's inserted within us. It's a knowing, endowment. We're endued with a knowing. It's more than a simple understanding. And th there's many truths in the spirit and, and certain things of our own emotions that can stand up to the challenge, but they're still very hard to define. Especially if a person is not a Christian and they're asked the question, explain love. That can stand up to the challenge. But it may not stand up to a definition. How do you know your wife loves you? How do you know your husband loves you? Explain that. And we become tongue-tied. It's very hard to explain <coughs> love. And we're, after many attempts, and we sound like Steve Martin doing one of his routines, most people say, it's, I just know. I can't explain it, I just know. It's a knowing. That's what James is describing right now. It's a knowing. This knowing, this is an endowment that comes really with hard work. Godly wisdom is there. Endowment of knowledge is there. And we have a knowing that stands up to the challenge, but is often still very hard to explain, isn't it? Hard to define. Hard to describe would be another way to put it. How do you know someone's genuine or, some, or that same person is a phony? Well, there's a knowing. We know it to be the Holy Spirit. The world would not be able to define it that way. But we know it as the Holy Spirit gives us a knowing. Hard to explain. But a knowing doesn't have to be explained because we know. Who is wise? Sophos. He's a wise man and endued with knowledge among you. Who is accomplished or learned through study and understanding of the scripture and through experience and actually receive the infusion of God's divine wisdom into their spirit? in such a way that they have become endued 
with knowledge that goes far beyond uh, superficial or academic understanding, is able to make divine connections of truth in many parts of scripture and apply God's truth to their everyday life and their ministry to others and gives you an ability to write very long run-on sentences. <laughs> Not that the person has attained. If the person is wise, he knows he has not attained, doesn't he? We're not there. If we're really wise, we know we're not there. We have not attained. It's a daily thing, takes a daily walk in the spirit. And I know that many of you are aware of this, but I want to <coughs> start there and we'll expand on what we're gonna, these, these concepts. It's what Paul said in Philippians 3, 12 through 14, not as though I had already attained Either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I have apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul and James are saying a lot of the same truth, aren't they? And yet, different words. I'm always amazed by that. I just, I hope I'm never not amazed by that. Same truth, different words, same principles. This is where I believe James is going with the teaching on works and, and while good works will not save a person, they will be the eventual result seen by others in one who has truly received godly wisdom. Others will know. They can't help but know. Why else, why, why is that? Because of their conversation. What that means is because of their behavior. That's how their behavior. As a result of asking for it through prayer, they've diligently studied the scriptures in preparation and have been endued. That means they've been furnished, they've been gifted with or infused with knowledge through the Holy Scriptures. We can know all about the Bible academically and not have a knowing inside our spirit. That's what I'm saying. We can study the word and use worldly wisdom. Or we can study the word and believe for godly wisdom. And when we believe for godly wisdom, we have a knowing. We have a knowing. That's different than just a worldly understanding. God help us. If we read the Bible and see I'm having a hard time describing and understand it with worldly wisdom logic 
this happened and this happened and this happened and it was in Judea. Okay. There's a knowing that we must have that comes from the endowment, that comes from godly wisdom. Wisdom that, that puts plants that in our spirit. Knowledge of pistemon, to comprehend, to know, to understand. And the second part of the 13, verse 13 says, let him show out of a good conversation, that's behavior, his works with meekness, humility, of wisdom. Meekness, that mildness and, and humility that the wise person has. Wisdom, good conversation, uh, uh, anastrophe or anastrophe, behavior. Let him show of his good works, his, the behavior, his works. Let all that this person does be revealed through his or her good behavior. And show meekness and humility about their wisdom. After all, it's not their wisdom anyway. Even logic would tell us that you can't be conceited about something that's not yours. It's godly wisdom. And if it is godly wisdom, we've got to be humil uh, hum humble about it. Show humility. It's not our wisdom. The worst thing I can seen and, and can think of, even sad thing, is for someone to have witnessed beautifully or taught or, pro or preached in great wisdom and then afterwards take all the credit. It wasn't their wisdom. How could they take all the credit for something that wasn't their wisdom? It's sad. It's scary. It's a fast way to lose that wisdom. That's what I want us to keep in mind. We're leaders now. It's God's wisdom. It's his wisdom. It's not ours. I can't think of anything worse. Well, James defines worldly wisdom this way in verse 14 and 15. Worldly wisdom is, one, bitter envying. Two, Self-ambition, three, boasting, four, denying the truth. Those four things he describes in verse 14 and 15. And may I add one more because I see it woven in those all four of those. Ignorance, and worse than that, willful ignorance. We study about worse willful ignorance. It's easy for you to say. Willful, willful <laughs> ignorance. It's nothing more than defiance. Willful ignorance. Nothing more than defiance. Ignorance. That's easy to explain. Reminds me of the little boy who happily sings at the top of his voice, Joshua fit the battle of Geritol. <laughs> it's a catchy tune, Geritol. <laughs> ignorance God overlooks that for a time <laughs> for a time probably chuckles at it um, an example T last week Tammy read the scripture 
about Elijah speaking to Elisha in 2 Kings 2.6, saying, And Elijah said unto him, Terry. Now, I don't know why Elijah called him Terry. But from now on, we're going to call him Terry because it says that right in the word. <coughs> foolishness. Sometimes it takes foolishness to expose foolishness. And I wonder if our foolishness doesn't sound just like that to God sometimes. And that's what happens when worldly wisdom is used to understand scripture. We need to pray for godly wisdom to understand scripture. A more real life example of willful ignorance. Just recently, and, and the pastor did a, a job that was right on, and he doesn't need me to validate his position. But I don't want to say that he was involved with worldly wisdom. He was speaking the right thing, in my view. And, and he, he spoke about um, uh, the hidden man, the hidden man. And he was reading in, in 1 Peter 3, verses 1 through 4. And this shows you how far uh, world, worldly wisdom can uh, take us astray when applied to the scripture. The scripture says, and he wasn't even really talking about this, but he, he used the scripture the subject that is usually involved in, in the scripture is, is, I'll just read the scripture. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. Now, if that's all the husband is going to read, that's called willful ignorance. That's what I mean. Well, the pastor was talking about the hidden man, okay, but he used the scripture. The wife reads on, hopefully finding something that will make her happy. Now I'm gonna make it clear that none of these things happen in the Father's Church or in the Saints Network. This is an example for others. <laughs> that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation, the behavior of the wives. Her behavior would be so good that that will win the husband. While they behold your chaste or uncorrupted conversation, your behavior coupled with terror, with fear, putting the husband under conviction, whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair, weaving and waving the hair. I can say that because my hair waved goodbye some time ago. <laughs> and, and wearing of gold or putting on apparel. But let it be hidden, the hidden man of the heart. There's that hidden man. In that which is not corruptible. Even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, a great price. 
So in far too many Christian households today, not in the Father's Church or the Saint Network, the husband believes that his wife is to be in subjection to him in all things, period. That's all he reads. Doesn't want to read anymore. The wife believes that he's supposed to treat her with respect and the respect she deserves, but does not, and now, He's going to pay. Both are acting the wrong way toward each other, and each are hoping for the right result while acting in the wrong way. According to their preconceived ideas, their worldly wisdom about what the scripture says. See how far worldly, worldly wisdom can <laughs> take us away from the truth that God is presenting in his scripture. Crazy wabbit. They finally agree, agree to have a, a meeting with the local pastor, each hoping that he will straighten the other one out once and for all. I thought I'd get a amen from the back of the room on that one. <laughs> That's worldly wisdom. That's applying worldly wisdom to the scripture. That's what I mean by all of those things I've said. This is where world, worldly wisdom can take a person even if they have used their Bible in an attempt to validate their preconceived opinions. The husband and the wife's wisdom is the ex in this example are both full of bitter envying self-ambition, boasting, denying the truth, and let's not forget willful ignorance. James 3, 14 and 15, and 16. It says, but if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. His wisdom descendeth from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. From where envy and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. There is not a, a there is not just a New Testament teaching going on here, because Solomon had something to say about this as well. Different words, same truth, same principles. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Different words, same principle. Godly wisdom. He will direct your path. Trust in him. Don't lean on your own understanding, worldly wisdom. So look at the result of, of uh, worldly wisdom. Many Christians somehow think they are so smart they can get through this life with all of its obstacles using wisdom alone that is theirs. Even many who do not say that they live their lives as though 
they can trust their own wisdom. They do live their lives as though that's what they believe, even though they don't say it. Many of the early Christians James was writing to were new Jewish converts, and they had much to learn, as we all do. They were still depending on their own wisdom to live their lives because that's what they had become accustomed to. They did their best, and if they messed up, they killed something. <laughs> it was an easy formula. Even the most pious uh, among them. It's the way they did things. They were all depending upon their own wisdom. Many in the early church were not asking God for his wisdom. So God tells them that as long as you are controlled by worldly wisdom, I will not be giving you my divine wisdom. Wow. Wow. Okay. As long as you let yourself be controlled by worldly wisdom, I will not be giving you my wisdom. That's what God says. Wow. It's in the beginning of James's letter to the church. James, first chapter, verses 5 through 8. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not the man, that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Don't think you're going to receive anything from me. You haven't asked for my worldly wisdom. <clears throat> so much of James is about God's wisdom as compared to worldly wisdom. And, and this is fundamental. It's foundational. It's a basis for our Christian life and ministry that we live according to godly wisdom. I've had, I've heard, rather, many people say something like this. Sounds spiritual. We've made our plans, and we've asked God to bless them and all of our steps. Sounds, have you ever heard something like that? Sounds spiritual. Sometimes I've wanted to just stand up and yell, backwards! <laughs> I don't think I have. Has anybody heard me? It must, it must have just you said been that out loud. <laughs> it must have just been inside. We've decided what we want to do, and we've asked God to bless it. Worldly wisdom. Trying to drive godly wisdom in a certain direction according to their preconceived ideas, it doesn't work. Another good run-on sentence. We never reach the point where we are so Christian 
that we can simply rely on our own worldly wisdom. If you realize that fact at some point in your life, it'll probably be because you're in a big fix, a bad one. And you think back trying to figure out how you got there. And if you go back far enough, you realize, as I have, as others have, that there was a point where I was beginning my plans with worldly wisdom. And as time went by, I was asking for help along the way <laughs> because I could tell that things were not going good. They weren't going good because of the beginning. The beginning has to begin with godly wisdom. That's what I'm saying. Godly wisdom. So wisdom comes from good judgment. And good judgment comes from learning from your bad judgment. Yes, it doesn't have to, but it's all too often it does. And Paul says much the same thing that James has just said in Galatians. Look at the, look at the comparison here. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, obviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, <coughs> hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, uh, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in the past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That's worldly wisdom, every bit of it. Every bit of it. Then he goes on. This is godly wisdom. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5, 19, 25. <clears throat> trying to get my nerve up here. In other words, don't become partisan with your doctrine. Hold it. Keep it. Don't lose it. But don't become so partisan that you alienate the others. These are not Republicans and Democrats. These are Christians and Christians. James goes on to say, the wise person is the one with godly wisdom and is humble. On the other hand, the person with worldly wisdom is proud. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Don't become in your own mind so wise that you become proud. That, that defeats the whole purpose. That's the wise man acting like he has attained, or she. We haven't. If you're really wise, you know that you have not attained. James 4, 5 through 10. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit 
that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth, giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Amen? That's how we get lifted up. You want to lift yourself up? That's how. The pride way, <laughs> it doesn't lift anybody up. What the pride way does is try to push everybody else down so that you're up. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Avoid worldly wisdom. I do that naturally. <laughs> it's easy for some of us. <laughs> Just avoid the worldly wisdom. Continuing with that vein of, of Scripture, Paul, in the very next verse, 26, Galatians 5, 26, he says, Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. We're doing that. We're comparing ourselves with one another, aren't we? If you want to compare, compel yourself to Christ and you'll always be humble. But one day Paul, after a long life, got old. And he spoke to Timothy as a, as a father, as a mentor. And was in his final words to Timothy, perhaps from prison in Rome, he was writing to him in 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. Everybody's got their own ideas where Paul was toward the end of his life. But he said to Timothy this, But continue, thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. There's the godly wisdom. All scriptures given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Second Timothy three, fourteen through seventeen. And there Paul was at the end of his life speaking to his son in the Lord, Timothy. And by extension, he was speaking to the church. He was speaking to all of us, wasn't he? 
describing our source of godly wisdom, where it comes from, how we obtain it, and how we grow in it, by walking every day in godly wisdom. And like I said before, it's amazing to me how the writers of the New Testament speak the same truth. do. They, they may use different words. In fact, they do. But they communicate the same truth. God's wisdom and the avoidance of worldly wisdom. We know why they're speaking the same truth. <laughs> That's foundational. We know why. They speak the same truth because they have received the truth from the same Holy Spirit. And every time it happened, God validates who he is and how the work of the Holy Spirit is active within us. He validates it every time. To receive the truth from the same Holy Spirit of God's wisdom Yet, it still amazes me. It just does. The evidence of one voice of truth speaking to us from so many different men, different times, different generations, God's wisdom, the same truth. That same truth speaks to you and me, just like it did to them. And so he's, since he's constant, we know that we're the ones who are variable, <laughs> don't we? Because <laughs> he hasn't changed. The question is, how well do we listen? And I know we listen well because God is blessing. But we can't act like we've attained. Believe me, I have no agenda here. I am not trying to say anybody's made a mistake. That's not my purpose. I'm trying to look forward in what we do from now on. Let those of us in the Father's Church and everyone in the Saints Network speak only one thing with our lives, with our relationships, and in our ministry. May we speak godly wisdom. I've been towing a lot of talking here. <coughs> Anything someone can share? I'm kind of I'm processing, so just bear with me here. Okay. But, you know, you think about you talk about wisdom being unknowing. You know, it's a spiritual knowing that we have, and we know that really. God dwells through his wisdom. You know, everything exists through his wisdom. He exists through his wisdom, and it's knowing him. But how it relates to faith and our walk of faith, and that, you know, wisdom guides us into 
taking light into the darkness and turning evil into good, you know, righteousness, overcoming evil in, the, in, in that regard, and, and walking in that knowing, but also from that place at the right hand, that place of Amman, where our faith is also a knowing, and, and from that knowing, you know, emulating what we see God doing from his throne here upon the earth, I just never really connected wisdom with faith like that before. And our walk, because it's our walk of faith. And, and, and they're both knowings, because faith is knowing. It's knowing. It's knowing Him, but it's, it's that assurance, it's that confidence that who He is is who He is, and what He says is what is, and what He intends to do is what He intends to do, and he's in, He empowers us in our walk of faith. But they're both a knowing, you know, that spiritual knowing. And I, like I said, I'm just processing. Well, this is right where I wanted you to be, exactly, because as, as, as I was trying to define earlier, where these are the things that stand up to the challenge. Yeah. And they're still hard to explain, hard to describe, because it's just, I just know. I just know. Holy Spirit put it there. And if it, it wouldn't have mattered how much I studied, if everything was in worldly wisdom, I wouldn't be feeling it right now. They're two different worlds. The godly, the spiritual, or the worldly. Well, and the truth is what defines that. Yeah. And the reason why you know the difference is because you're walking in. Amen. Truth is the only thing that can separate those two things. People who aren't the truth aren't going to understand what godly wisdom is. They're only going to know how to do everything they do based on their experiences and gaining, you know, experience and whatever. But and then too, like you said, they it can be devilish because if it's self-serving, which worldly wisdom usually yeah. is, and people in the world are usually out looking out for themselves in that way. Sure. Who's who's the father of proud? But the truth is what yeah. really is the distinguishing factor. Yeah. And I think just this season, and we've talked about this so many times, has been it's been it's really I mean our faith our faith is tested. I mean, it's tried as gold. And, and, and we just came through this season, or this year of wisdom. And, and it was a crazy year where God called us and really tested our faith, tested our identity and who we were before him and who, who he was to us. And it so much just shed any measure of faith or wisdom in our experience. Does that make sense? Because we can't bank on past experience. We, even, you know, we can't. But I also look at what's happening in the world and, I mean, if the world is not inundated with worldly wisdom, and is that not what's coming and filtering into the church? It is. And, yeah. So... I don't know. I just process it. Sure. <laughs> sure. And the 
Well, you think about just from what you said, it really brought something to mind how really worldly wisdom can also be just talking about our own opinions. I mean, you know, let's just talk about semantics here. Oh, absolutely. And so this past year, the reason why I said this because what you said made, made me feel like, well, what this past year did, our, our opinions, our worldly wisdom kind of clashed with what God was doing, and that was the refining point. That was the thing that God was really trying to shed from us is how we process what he's doing. Sure. How, how, how closely intertwined can our opinions be with self-promotion? Well, oh, they could the be real. Idea. They could be really closely entwined, couldn't they? There's a danger there. Well, it's not even just that. It's just the way you process something. Yeah. You know that that twisted doesn't make it a bad thing. It just makes it not God's thing. It just it just takes you from off of the course of, that He has you on, and so you're going as long as you maintain that perspective. Or you know you hold on to an ideal or an opinion or a worldly wisdom, whatever. Then as long as you, it's always going to be bumping and clashing with the plan of God. And until you release that, you're not going to really find a point sure. of. Um, it's kind of like you said, you don't feel you know you don't feel very good about this because you, when you feel worldly wisdom, it doesn't feel very good. I mean, you do feel the striving. Mm -hmm. in worldly wisdom that's yeah. that's a good tell sign but um, anyway I, I just know I mean I, I'm constantly dealing with this I'm such an opinionated person I'm awful <laughs> so I'm always like okay gotta drop that gotta let go of that like you know so I get it yeah have we, have you, we're in a position where people will look for us for wisdom we just are by nature of our association with other churches right that's what they do, or will do, or continue to do, however you want to look at it. You know, it's interesting it too. I'm sorry. Has anyone ever, have you been confronted with an issue that you weren't, you were surprised by, that's going to require an answer that includes great wisdom? And you send up that little prayer, <laughs> and you begin speaking. And somehow the answer that you had not thought of comes and you deliver some wisdom and you smile and wonder to yourself, how did that happen? This just happened and, to me on Friday. And All right, and so here's the question. When, when that happens, how often do we give God the credit? Because it ain't our wisdom. It's not. It's not our wisdom. And the moment we start thinking it is, that's, that's, we've reached the mountaintop and everything else is downhill. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And I'm sure that on Friday you didn't do that. Okay? But there's a temptation, there is a, tripwire that Satan puts there for every Christian to start this thing about pride. I had the answer. Nobody else had it. I had the, I had the best answer. <coughs> See what I mean? 
you don't see what I mean. No, I oh, you do see what, what I mean. Good. Mean. But I. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I don't feel like I'm wise enough. I mean, I know that I can step into godly wisdom, and I have an, an opinion. I mean, hopefully, for me, what I had to draw on, and this sounds crazy just based on our discussion, was the truth and the revelation that God has walked us through for 23 years. That's my drawing point, to be able to minister wisdom to somebody who is grasping and wants to know Nematocost things and to walk in that path. That was my only answer. I did not have an answer for this person. And, and so, I'm so, I mean, talk about being humbled. And then for the Lord to highlight a scripture, actually through less, that was just the answer for him. It's just, I mean, I marveled at how the Lord moved in that. But it had nothing to do with me other than I, I put myself in a place to, to mentor and to guide. Amen. That's Very the humbling. All right. And that's the healthy thing. Yeah. That's say, the help. Say it had nothing to do with you, but it did because you were willing to put yourself out there and to operate in that, that capacity that the Lord has called you. Because I mean, a lot of people, even in the church, are afraid to step out. And they, they don't want to put themselves out there. And then and at the risk of having to explain or not argue. But or I'm not going to know the answer. Right. Because you know, I don't. The fact that you. <laughs> Yes, Pastor. You know, I think I think um, when you were detailing what wrong wisdom is, either either carnal or devilish, and it speaks about envying and strife, and, and it says this wisdom is not from above. Um, I I think that the majesty of who God is is so mind-boggling for us because you have the Father who has eternal wisdom. You have the Son who is obeying and you have the Spirit. And one of the seven spirits is the Spirit of Wisdom and Revelation of the Spirit of Wisdom and Understanding. Where I'm going with this is there's a verse that I was writing about yesterday that we all know but it says the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are sons of God. Amen. And the bearing witness is a mutual martyria, a mutual dying. And I think, how does the spirit in that equation die? How does the spirit die himself? And here's another verse that says, he won't speak of himself, but whatever he hears, that's what he speaks. So if wisdom is from the dimension of God, of his seven spirits, which the scripture says it is, and we speak about how to keep ourselves pure in divine wisdom by dying to self, Paul died daily, so that we don't have envy, we don't have strife, we don't have pride. It's sprinkled throughout the message you said today. It just brings to me back to this magnificence of the Spirit of God. As the scripture says, the Spirit 
bears witness. The spirit, martyria, the spirit dies with our spirit that demonstrates how to become a son of God, how to become sons. And I guess my point is not to interject some strange topic in here because it's really the same topic. It's so, it is imperative for us to die to self in every framework of this wisdom because amazing, the spirit in that quotient of the Trinity, the scripture clearly says, dies to self. Yes. And, and doesn't speak of himself. And, 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 and when, he can, when he speaks to us, he speaks, the Spirit bears witness, Arturia, with our spirit, what God's put in us. There's that mutual dying for what God wants to do. And if we die, if we stay focused on the truth, if we keep following his sons as Jesus did. Yeah, Jesus said much the same thing, didn't he? Yeah, but that's the dimension of spirit. That's the dimension of wisdom. And, and to think that the spirit of God himself, which the scripture clearly says, makes himself of nothing, dies in conjunction with us dying so that we can fulfill the will of the Father. I mean, but you got it. Some people talk about the Trinity and the dimensions of God and how he reveals himself. And it, it just kind of fries their mind. But this is the way God works. And wisdom dies so that the will of the Father can be done. And that's what the Scripture clearly says. It is, yeah. And it's how we must be if we're going to move with the one who's dying so that wisdom can be known. Sure. And the principle is that, that Christ died to self. The Holy Spirit dies to self. Now you die to self. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So things kind of stop when it gets to us all too often. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I never thought of that concept yeah. before of the Spirit Himself, which it clearly says dies yeah. on behalf of the will of Father. And if we're going to move in that wisdom, we've got to die too. Amen. Amen. Interesting. Yeah. Thank you. Anyone else? No. All right. God bless everyone. And thank you for coming. Have donuts, everybody. Yeah, next week.